Welcome in to Talking Terps, a show which covers University of Maryland basketball and football. Talking Terps is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Terrapins. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome into Talking Terps. I'm your host, Zach Kiesel, joined as always by my co-hosts, Mike Popovic and Pat Donahue. It's been about five weeks since our last episode. In that episode, we uh, we discussed the cancellation of Big Ten football for the fall, and in this one, we're going to reverse course and talk about the the resumption of Big Ten football. Um, Mike, how you doing? Uh, it was a good week for us as Ravens fans, I'll tell you that. It was a great week, and then when you throw this news on top, uh, the week just gets better and better. And Pat, uh, you had not such a great week NFL-wise. You lost to a generic football team. (laughs) Yeah, I I heard, you know, we might have to give them our our team name now and and the Philadelphia That's an idea. (laughs) Yeah, we should, based on how we played, um, at least on the offensive side of the ball. But, I mean... Hey, at least there was football. There was no delay. They kicked off. Um, Honestly, that was that was the saving grace. I was really as, as upset as I was by my Eagles. The 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 fact that football was back. You know, you had your your fantasy football back, your wagering back, your red zone back. Like the whole day, it was good. So, um, dare, dare yeah. I say, there was some normalcy to Sunday. <laughs> exactly right, and that that's my you know my fall Sundays. There's that's my favorite. You know day that's my that's my favorite thing so to have that back was huge sunday felt normal and saturday felt slightly normal even mm-hmm. uh with college back in three of the major conferences and we're going to talk about the big 10 uh resuming play here in a second um it did feel weird i was talking to mike and we'll get into the the big 10's uh decision which includes no fans in the stands it was weird watching college i feel like most of the games i watched there were at least some fans in the stands which felt it felt weird it felt weird seeing notre dame stadium it almost would have felt uh more normal if notre dame stadium had been totally empty than with like ten thousand people in there it was just very jarring uh i don't know um yeah, but the, you could understand why it would be completely empty, but usually for a Notre Dame game, you're thinking, wait a minute, why are there so few fans? This just looks weird. It's either going to be one or the other, but it, it was somewhere in between. Yeah, it was weird because yeah, I was more expecting totally empty. And when you see like, oh, there's 10,000 here and 10,000 there, and then Florida State had like 20,000 that looked like 30. I think yeah. there's some more people. In and, and, and really, though, you, you have to question like what that even accomplishes in terms of what, what's the game day experience like for the fans that are going. And, and it's it can't be really affecting the play on the field or giving any sort of home field advantage. So um, really, what, what's the point other than to just collect a little bit more revenue? And the only place that I can understand it is let the families in and that's it. Let the families see their kids play and that's about it. But mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk about what it means for the Big Ten. Uh, the Yesterday, uh, the, the Big Ten announced that fall football will be returning. The season will begin in a little over a month, the October 23rd and 24th weekend. The official schedule should be out this week or next week, I believe. It's going to be eight games in eight weeks and then a seeded conference championship weekend. So that means that every, every team is going to play. Uh, you're going to have the championship, and then you're going to seed it after that. So Maryland will be playing someone. 
Rutgers, Indiana, Purdue, somebody crap that week, but it'll be something. Um, and there's going to be, as we mentioned, there's going to be no fans. Families of player and staff will be allowed at home and road games. Uh, the thing that made this primarily possible is the daily rapid testing that they're going to be able to do. That starts at the end of this month. Positive test results uh, mean that you have to quarantine for three weeks, 21 days. And teams with high percentages of positive tests will be shut down for at least a week. Um, so, Mike, I'm going to go to you first for your initial reactions. Uh, when we talked a month ago, uh, you were the most critical of all of us for how the Big Ten had handled this, and in many cases, rightly so. What do you think about this decision and how the Big Ten's rolled it out? Well, you kept hearing in the media a little something each and every day or every other day. So while I was fairly negative in my thinking that there was going to be football sometime this fall in the Big Ten, because at one point, Kevin Warren said, hey, we're our, our feet are in the sand. This is the decision. We're sticking to it. It's not changing. But you kept hearing about, yeah, you hear, heard about a lawsuit. Uh, you heard about pressure from some presidents, ADs, head coaches, et cetera. It stayed alive and clearly pressure mounted and was continued to mount each and every day. So I guess I can't say that I was exactly uh, overwhelmingly surprised about this, and especially when you're talking about money. Uh, clearly, though, along the way, the Big Ten uh, botched this in a lot of different ways, and you hear players talking about a lack of communication, and that's because their head coaches and ADs may not have been as tied in, even with the presidents, as they should have been. And it was um, you know, certainly a, an unnerving time for a lot of these players and such, but clearly there's a crown well of support, and when you're talking about multi-million dollars as well, they got this to happen. I I guess the question has to be for, for you guys is, as I take a look at it, have they advanced that much in the rapid testing in a month that that's the reason they're using, but really that they couldn't have done a lot of this a month ago when there were a fair amount of teams that had extremely low positivity rates as it was. So again, they kind of questions whether that was really the reason why they did this or not. I think we, we know that it's probably a few different reasons. Yeah, it's tough to know. And that was kind of my initial thought was how much has really changed in a month. Um, obviously, they're using the rapid testing and the advances in medicine as reasons uh, that they're able to, to restart. But I think they could have taken another week or two and really put the same task force together that they put together here uh, at the beginning of the season. And you could have started on time. Uh, you were already only going to start in October, the beginning of October with conference only play that had already been decided. And that had been decided across most of the major conferences. You see some of them playing non-conference games, but it would have been totally fine for national championship and playoff hopes that the big 10 would have gone to conference only. And we're talking about starting the first weekend of October and you canceled two weeks or two months before that, uh, you know, that probably wasn't necessary. And now it feels completely unnecessary and it's just a waste of time and resources. So Pat, we talked a little bit um, on Twitter. Um, Chris from BSL had, had put a, out a question to us as our initial thoughts. And we were kind of on the same page, you know, go through your initial reactions to, to the big tens decision. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I'm happy the football's back. I'm happy for the players mostly. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm happy myself just as a, from a fan and from a media member's standpoint, but also mostly for the players who 
um, seniors and just, you know, any player who abruptly got their season stripped away from them. And then at the same time has to watch the rest of the college football world sans the Pac-12 play. So that was my initial thought was good for them. Um, in, In terms of what you guys were talking about, I completely agree. I mean, what has really changed in a month to make this kind of 180 swing happen. And I think we all know that, you know, not much has realistically changed in a month. You know, some more information might be available, but really this came down to the pressure that was on the Big Ten, the fact that they botched the situation initially. Um, Like you said, Zach, if they had kind of done this same plan initially a couple weeks back, we could have seen them start on time. Um, And I think it really came down to, now or never, if they didn't figure this out right now and put this schedule and this plan in place, it was never going to happen this this fall. And they were going to take a, a year off. And that would have devastated all the programs in the um, in the conference, especially the ones that aren't Ohio State, Michigan, because from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, you have to compete with all the other power five conferences, all the other blue bloods in those conferences and um, them playing and you taking a whole year off it just would have been a a devastating trickle down effect on the whole conference. So I think that mixed with the pressure they were getting from, from parents, players, political pressure, all these different things um, amounted to, you know, this decision. And obviously they're going to paint it as a health, um, you know, decision and a health issue, which it is a health issue. But I, I really think, you know, the, the health and safety of the players and coaches and all that was very low on the priority list when it came to, to making this final decision. And worth noting that this was a unanimous vote by the conference presidents. And this came just a month after an 11 to three, 11 no votes among the conference presidents a month ago. Again, we go back to that idea of how much has really changed. Um, and if this plan is so much better than the one that they laid out in August a month ago, then how? Why couldn't it have been done a month ago? Yeah, um, it's just it, tough to to wrap your head around. Um, well, and not a good look, not a great look, Mike, for a new a new uh, conference president and Kevin Warren. Right, and, and Kevin Warren came from the NFL, and he's been in a front office. He's handled a lot of uh, situations. He would seemingly be a guy that would be a good fit to take the to take the lead here. But I think as we talked about off air a little bit is that generally speaking, just like Roger Goodell represents the owners in the NFL, he takes the fall for the owner's decisions that ultimately Kevin Warren is the representative of the school presidents because nothing happens without the school presidents. And the presidents, of course, are in consultation with their governors as well to a certain extent. But Kevin Warren represents the school presidents, and he probably gets some undue blame here for this, but you're right. Uh, It's not a good look. It's not a good start here. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I'm taking a look at a calendar right now. They had built in, I believe, a later start around the 26th, if I'm not mistaken. I think you brought this up. So, you know, why not allow camp to continue, you know, right, see what happens. And you've built in, they built themselves in a few extra weeks. Um, They had already had these teams on campus to abruptly stop that in terms of letting them know that there wasn't going to be a season. It just, there was so much, so much confusion and it just didn't need to be that way. If they were that concerned, like I told you guys, why did they even have them show up in the first place? Clearly, there was a thought that you know they they were going to play. Uh, then whatever happened happened, and now they end up reversing course, though, and we get football. But uh, obviously, a boondoggle for the Big Ten. 
And Mike, that's a good point about the extra weeks uh, that they had built into the schedule, because now you've got a situation where it's nine games in nine weeks, including the conference championship. And if you're making kids sit out for three weeks, 21 days after a positive test, you could decimate some of these teams. And you're making teams with uh, with high positivity rates shut down for at least a week. I mean, if Ohio State has a has a large number of players that that contract this thing, their comfort, their uh, their national title hopes are shot in the matter of a couple of weeks because they can't play games. Um, as opposed to the previous plan where you build in some extra weeks, and even if they do miss two games or three games, it's not as it's not as uh, devastating to them. So. Yeah, I think I think we're all in agreement that this is this was handled pretty poorly um, from the from the beginning, uh, and it just it's it seems unnecessary, and that's the most frustrating part about it. Zach, the uh, that kind of brings up a question of you know if, if say Ohio State is able to get all their games in and and they run the table even to go eight and zero, what does that qualify them for the college football playoff? If there's ten and zero teams, twelve and zero teams, like how does this is starting to look like, you know, baseball where you had multiple teams taking like two weeks off and their final record and they don't they didn't leave enough time to make up all these games. So at the end of the baseball season, you're going to see te- teams with different records and they're going to have to go off a winning percentage or something. So it's just a, it, it's it's a very strange situation. Yeah, it's going to be interesting and it's going to be something that the the playoff committee is going to have to decide and it's just going to add another layer to the already what's already a mess when you when you're talking about sk- strength of schedule and all that. Well, yeah. my, my understanding is they they will be allowed to be a part of the CFP even with the imbalance of games. Uh the championship game is on the 19th. That's the day before the selection show on the 20th on that Sunday. So they will be allowed to do that. I know Davo Sweeney of Clemson was asked about the inequity, but he said he didn't care. Um, I, I think he's obviously from Clemson. He's confident in his own team. Yeah, uh, they're going to be the one seed no matter what. Right. I mean, yeah. he's confident. So, uh, look, I think this year, look, whoever wins the national championship, frankly, Pat, there's an asterisk next to it, uh, fair or unfair. Uh, but to your point, I guess they're getting enough games in because the Big Ten championship game will be that ninth game, and the the rest of the teams have that crossover game uh, with the other division based on seedings of where they finish the season. Um, so nine is at least not that far off from 12. But you're right. At the end of the day, they'll be a little bit more rested and refreshed. But the other teams will have more experience too. So it, it may end up balancing itself out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the playoff committee waits all that. Um it's just, but again, Ohio State has to cancel one or two games, and that probably puts them out of the conversation. Oh, so, boo-hoo. Yeah, well, what a shame. I know. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean, we don't, we don't, from a Maryland standpoint, why are we even talking about the playoff, right? Well, and Ohio right. State had both, I believe, an offensive lineman and I believe a secondary player that is opting out to go to the NFL. Michigan has Dylan McCafferty operating, opting out and transferring. He was in line to be their starting quarterback this year, competing with Joe Milton. Nico Collins has announced that he's signing with an NFL agent. He's out. He was their number one receiver coming into this year. And Quiddy Pay on the defensive line today announced that he's out. So that's a team of the division guys that just lost three big-time players off their roster. That's uh, that's huge, and obviously yeah. we'll see the impacts of all the teams for the players. I think Penn State had a few big-name guys as well. So, again, inside the division teams that could help Maryland out a little bit. But, yeah, we're, <laughs> no one's crying for them. Yeah, yeah, instead of Penn State beating Maryland 63 to nothing, it'll be closer to 52. Yeah, there you which go. Which is good. 
we'll take it. And, and Mike, I think it brings up kind of a good point to the fact that going back to the point that these decisions really don't seem to be made based off of health or, or safety for these players or based off of the actual numbers and statistics. Because if you look at even outside of the Big Ten, the conferences that decided to play, a lot of those um, schools in the states that they are in still had high COVID testing numbers, but politically and just, uh, you know, their state governors decided it wasn't a big deal. I wanted to keep things open. A lot of the Southern um, states in the big 12 and SEC fit that mold. Then you get PAC 12 and big 10. A lot of states within those conferences had the opposite approach to the pandemic. So you, it, it kind of makes sense. And then, so then you've got a school like Penn state who's had numerous positive, uh, I heard something the other day, like 50 positive tests or 50 other kids had it at one point or something like that. Um, Clearly, those numbers weren't taken into consideration when, you know, a, a decision like this is made. But then you also have, um, you know, schools that have very low numbers and, and you know, are, are more in a position to go. But honestly, in all of this, I say that just to say I hope that if a school and a conference still says, hey, we're going to play football, that on an individual level, level these players are taking an individual assessment and saying, is this the right choice for me? Do I have any sort of pre-existing conditions? Is this worth it to to me in the long term? And, you know, doing that, um, that would be my hope. But there's all sorts of pressures, so you never know. Yeah. Well, and Zach and Pat, speaking to which, in Maryland, the number's very low. The announcement came out last Thursday or Friday, it was, concerning uh, sports going to be played next year. Now, there is a push right now to get fall sports started in the fall here. Delaware next door. They have a vote tonight as we do this show on the uh, 17th. That is, excuse me, they have a vote tonight by the uh, school uh, state board of education to approve the DIAA plan to have fall sports start next month with practice starting on the 28th and getting in, I think, seven for football, seven games. And their numbers generally are low, slightly above 5%, but not that far off. So it, it's, it's all over the place, too. I mean, Maryland, by the numbers, they could start now if they wanted to, but right now that's not in the car. That's not in the cards unless enough uh, pressure sways them with uh, emails and and calls to the uh, uh, state uh, superintendent. Yeah, and Pat, going back to what you said about Penn State um, and all of their positive tests, Coach Ed Orgeron down at LSU said most of his players have had it already, which I guess is fine because I think the likelihood of you getting it twice is extremely low, although yeah. it is possible. But that's my point is, is LSU never skipped a beat. It never looked like LSU wasn't going to play football and they had all those positive tests that they clearly knew about. So that's what I'm saying. How much did the actual numbers of the positive test really even factor into the decision? Doesn't seem like at all. It seems like whatever the state government was doing, that's what the football team was doing. Well, and in the South too, and maybe it goes hand in hand with political philosophy to a certain extent, but football is religion down there, as you guys know. Uh, so it would take it would take a, a very catastrophic type event, in my opinion, for them to say no to football. So that you're right. I mean that that was their mindset going in. Um, that <laughs> unless it was really really bad, they were going to they were going to be okay. Yeah. So, Mike, you mentioned a lot of the the opt outs that we've seen in the Big Ten uh, recently and back in August when this decision was made initially. We had six players from Maryland opt out: Jalen Alexander, Austin Fontaine, Johnny Jordan, Josh Jackson, Vincent Fly, then T.J. Kautai. 
my question is, do these guys stay opted out? Do we see additional opt outs? Do we see some of these guys return? It would be it would be uh, extremely uh, helpful for Maryland to get Fontaine and Jordan at least back because those are two of your starting offensive linemen. Pat, do you think do you think we see some returns? Do you think is there an additional wave? Um, are we positive that they are eligible to return if they? Because I know there was a I heard there was an Ohio State offensive lineman who said he's coming back, and they said that's it's. it's pretty likely that they're going to allow that to happen. Yeah, I think they should be allowed uh, now, you know, with new information and, and new testing protocols and all that stuff. Uh, I would hope that they'd be allowed to to opt back in. Um, and I do think, you know, it, it's really tough to say, but I think with the new protocols that they put into place, that might entice a few of the people who opted out to come back. So I won't be surprised, but I, I think you're still going to have um, people who made their decision. They're cool with it. They're erring on the side of caution no matter what, and they just don't see themselves playing football at all this year. So, Yeah, I, I was going to say, I think it depends on what criteria they used for opting out. Is it the fact that maybe at the time, and again, I question this, though, because I'm not sure what has really changed that much in a month or so, and I'm trying to remember when these decisions were made. may have been a little bit further back. I think some of them were in August. But at the end of the day, was it a lack of rapid testing or a lack of testing as to the reason why they opted out, or are they just basing it on until there's a vaccine, we're not taking a chance. So I think it depends on the rationale that they used for opting out. And based on that, that would be the chance as to whether they come back or not. And I'm not sure. I haven't heard as to the individual reasons why each of them opted out. But as we talked about for for Maryland uh, on the O-line uh, from a macro perspective, that's a huge loss right there. And uh, that will adversely affect them this season if those guys don't come back. Yeah, and we're talking about, you know, all obviously all of the Maryland players, uh, the reason that they've opted out is not for NFL hopes. Um, Correct. I mean, across the rest of the Big Ten, there have been some guys who have opted to leave early. That hasn't been the reason for any of these six players. We also saw DJ Turner opt out and transfer uh, to Pitt, and I think he scored a touchdown in his he first did. game. He yeah. So wide open touchdown. Yeah, they, um, they had a blowout win in their opener. Yeah. So good for him. Uh, his future always seemed capped at Maryland. There was just some reason he couldn't get over the hump where there was injuries or other legal issues. Um, but speaking of Maryland, they just returned to practice this week. Uh, it was about, I think, two weeks that all fall sports were shut down in Maryland because of high positive test rates. Um, it goes back. Testing on campus, that is. Right. Testing on campus. Um, and uh, there were a number of at student athletes, I think it was in the 40s or 50s, among all fall sports that tested positive. So they, they decided to shut that down. Um, and the football team just resumed a couple of the other ones as well. Not all of them. Um, I'm not 100% sure. But that, guys, this was the second time, though, that this happened, right? I believe second time. they shut it down several weeks before that for a while. And it was, I think, before that, it was just like strength and conditioning. I don't think they were actually practicing yet. Agreed. Yeah, I think. Um, so this is practice. So a little different, but still, I mean, you, to not have access to these kids for two weeks, you know, you, you hope that this doesn't happen again before the start of the season, if you can get a month in uh, with them. But, but again, this goes back to my, my concern and my, you know, I said it on, on, on Twitter the other day, it was that you know, we have eight games in eight weeks, and then you got a ninth game in, the, in a ninth week. How likely is it really that 
that all of these games get played. And I feel like the likelihood is less than 50% that every single game gets played because we've seen teams have to shut down their practices already. Uh, I saw also that Wisconsin's campus right now is basically shut down. Uh, they're not doing until I think the end of next week. It's been, this is the middle of a two week shutdown. That's how high their cases are in Madison and on the campus in general. Uh, you've got, I think, Indiana, Iowa, Nebraska. College campuses have become kind of a hotbed for this thing. Uh, so that should be interesting. And then I saw just before we got on the air that the state of Michigan, the, the governor of Michigan, decided that the mask mandate that they have statewide does apply to football players. So they have to, I guess, wear face shields or something. While playing? While playing. Well, that would wow. be, no, I mean, that, it wouldn't be the shields. It would be the actual masks over their over their face and i don't know how you do that i mean that's that's how delaware is allowing their high schools to play but i don't know how how you do that as a former player myself i don't know how you wear some sort of face covering while trying to play and if you're a quarterback parking out signals good luck delaware high school football players are wearing masks right now they're they're going to have to they have started wow i gotta go see well, if i can get to a game or something <laughs> that with my own eyes. that's insane a face covering yes and now they're going to have to make that work. That's the only reason why they're allowing uh, the football to play. Well, the quarterback, I mean, honestly, if, if the mask doesn't bother you that much and you can breathe enough, uh, luckily in football, it's a little bit more stop and go and less aerobic than some other sports. So maybe you can do it. it the mask, personally, when I have to wear it in the grocery store for 30 minutes, it bothers me. So, um, I, but with the quarterback, like you need to make those calls. You need to make those calls at the line. You need to make them crisp and clear. And I can't hear anyone talking when they had their mask on. So it, yeah. this, that, this is crazy. I mean, this is just, if you're going to do it, do it. And I understand that, you know, these colleges are becoming a, you know, a hotbed and stuff. And hopefully a lot of the positive tests are, are asymptomatic, you know, young people, but at the same time, um, I'm with you, Zach. I mean, I, I put it at 50% or less to, to and, and also, you know, curious decision to start, right in the middle of what will be flu season, which could also bring a second wave. I don't even know if you can call it a second wave because it's not like COVID ever went away, but the numbers are certainly down across the board from what they were. And, you know, if those spike again, who knows what our, you know, nationwide happens um, in terms of protocols. So it's just, it's hard to think, you know, anything more than 50% in terms of getting all the games. Cause like you said, we've already seen a few, college games postponed and or canceled because logistically they're not professionals. You can't, if the colleges aren't, you know, in session on campus doing normal things, you can't really expect the sports to be. Well, I, I, I know how, and we've talked about this guys. I know that the appearance of that isn't good necessarily, but at the same time, to me, if if you can make it happen and put these guys in a bubble away from the student population, then go, go and make it happen. I mean, I, I know the appearance looks bad, but these kids are also getting an education. These kids are also using this to get to the NFL. Um, if anything, this is keeping them safer on campus than being mixed with the general population. And look, this was bound to happen on a, on a campus with a general population that doesn't necessarily have everything invested the way some of these football players do as they're a part of a team. They're a part of something big here. Uh, to me, before kids came on campus for school, these programs for the most part weren't having any issues because they were doing it right. They had a bubble mentality and 
I, I think they should have continued to go that way. And look, yeah, they bring in money to these schools, and this money, guys, also helps academics as well. So I understand the appearances, but in a year where things are out of whack, uh, to me, I said they should have gone ahead with it, but in a bubble mentality. Because now, you're right, you mix them in with the general population in school, and yeah, it, it is going to disrupt having a full season. And if they don't make that adjustment, you're right, guys, they probably won't get the nine games in. Well, and I know from a Maryland perspective, at least, you've seen the crowds at Bents. You've seen the crowds at Cornerstone. I mean, how likely is it that there's a bunch of football players in there? It's probably pretty likely. It's going to be tough for, you know, it's it's one thing for NFL players when it's their entire livelihood. Ideally, I agree with what Mike is saying in terms of um, I wish we could be more realistic about it and say, hey, we're going to. Um, you know, put our student athletes in a bubble and we're going to make this work and, and keep them away from the general population and stuff. But because they aren't paid athletes, because they're, they don't have necessarily that incentive, even if you had like 95% buy-in from, from your football team of a hundred players, it only takes a few, you know, for lack of a better term, bad eggs or people who don't want to, uh, you know, follow the protocols or who aren't hundred percent bought into the team mentality and might be a little selfish to go to Cornerstone, go to Bentley's contract it, bring it into the bubble and ruin the whole thing. So I just don't know if a bubble and to ask what the bubble entails, what they're asking of these pro athletes to do in the bubble. I don't know if it's realistically feasible to ask a, a college athlete to do it. I mean, that's fair. That's where leadership has to step up and police police their own, if you will, with that. I mean, Pat, it's fair. Realistically, you're right, and it only takes one. And to think that even seniors can control every last player, now, prob- probably not, but that's where it would have to be a, a, buy, a, a very big commitment and buy-in. But I know a lot of these guys, though, they do care. Uh, they want to play. They want to win. And, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – <laughs> It's a tough, tough situation, no question. Yeah, it's tough to for me to see 18 and 19-year-olds actually able to control themselves uh, on a college campus away from families and with Bentleys right there and open. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, at the very least, we're going to have Big Ten football back in a little over a month. We'll be back to talk about schedule, uh, which should be out in the next couple of weeks. So we'll be back with our next episode in less than a month. Our monthly episodes are, are going to turn into hopefully biweekly and then weekly once once games start. Uh, in the meantime, I'm sure we'll all be posting a couple articles about previewing the season. Uh, we finally have some things to write about, some things to talk about it. It feels good. It feels good. Um, but we'll be back uh, in probably a couple of weeks. Until then, check out the message board at baltimoresportsandlife.com and check us out uh, at TalkingTerpsBSL on Twitter to keep track of everything that we have going on. Until then, for my co-hosts, Pat Donahue and Mike Popovic, I'm Zach Kiesel, Rolled Terps.